Hey y'all, and welcome to the Change Talk Podcast, where we're having authentic community conversations within and beyond the field of library and information science. I'm your host, Sierra Harris, and I'm so excited that you're here. In today's episode, I will chat with the Patrice Penny. Professor Penny was my trauma-informed social work professor, and her course impacted me so intensely that it was a must that I have her on an episode of the podcast. Professor Penny joined USC's faculty in 2015 as a clinical professor in the College of Social Work. She has over 35 years of clinical experience in 24 in higher education in the Chicago area, East Africa, and South Carolina. In Chicago, Professor Penny directed a community-based organization serving low-income, diverse families through mental health, poverty reduction, and family and child-centered interventions and programs. Following a move to East Africa in 2003, she taught counseling at an African international university and founded and currently directs the Initiative for Children at Risk Africa. This nonprofit provides trauma-informed caregiving training, interventions, research, and advocacy on behalf of African, orphaned, and vulnerable children. Professor Penny is a passionate therapist and trainer and teacher in the States and Africa. She advocates for youth and families and is committed to bringing trauma-informed knowledge and practice to systems of care, organizations, professionals, and most importantly, those we serve. Y'all, we are in for a treat. I feel like I always say it, but I mean it. Every week, you all are in for a treat, and this episode is no different. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Change Talk Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in to today's episode. And thank you again to Professor Penny for sharing her insight with us. You'll find a link to the textbook that we used in her class in the episode show notes. It's open access so everyone can obtain it. And I'm also going to link a workbook that will be extremely helpful for individuals wanting to work on creating a trauma-informed library space. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe. Thank you all for tuning in and I'll catch you next time. Hey, y'all. Thank you for so much for tuning in to another episode of the Change Talk podcast. I am so excited. Today, I'm joined by Professor Patrice Penny, my, I shouldn't say this, but my favorite (laughs) professor that I've had so far in my doctoral studies, the one who transformed my research interests and really impacted me in a short summer class. It felt like it was too short. So hi, Professor Penny. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Sierra. It's really good to be here. So I want to jump straight into it. Can you briefly discuss your background and how it led to your current work? Sure. So I've been a clinical social worker for 35 years, and I started out that practice in the Chicago area, first as a therapist in mental health, and then I was asked to launch and direct a community center in a low-income, diverse neighborhood. And um, when I started... Uh, getting to know the community, I I found that there were residents moving out of high density, what we call projects in the city, mostly black and brown families. 
And those projects had become incredibly overcrowded and dangerous and violent. And so families were trying to move to the suburbs really for a better life for themselves. Um, there were also immigrant families, uh, including undocumented families and refugees from hotspots all over the globe. And when we arrived, we found about 60 different language groups, so huge amount of diversity. And interestingly, this was also a neighborhood that was, or a community that was surrounded by um, high-speed multi-lane roads. And so it was at a at quite a distance from any local community services, like a library or even the schools, the kids were bused and any other public services. A lot of these families, whether they were American families or families from other parts of the world had experienced trauma. And so that was my first experience really grappling with trauma at a level of working with individuals and families and communities this was also the height of the war on drugs and crack cocaine. We had a lot of, of involvement with child welfare. There, were, there was community violence, um, including gang violence. And then our families coming from other parts of the world had experienced war, which we really think about as a, a very complex set of traumatic experiences. And, um, so we, we had families who were grappling with so many of these issues at different levels, all related to trauma. So I really became a student of understanding trauma and trauma-informed care. And then I moved to Kenya, East Africa for 10 years. I, and we intended a year and stayed 10. And there I, I'm passionate about kids and families. So I got to know kids who are um, being raised in orphanages and institutional care. And I ultimately started a not-for-profit organization that trains those caregivers as well as social workers and educators and child welfare workers and government workers, pastors, really anybody around what it means to, to provide trauma-informed care for kids to help them recover and, um, and thrive. Uh, and then I moved to South Carolina and started teaching at the university. And I was asked to develop a course that interested me. And my immediate response was, I have to do something trauma-informed. So that's really been my joy to teach social workers and really help them take forward ideas about what it means to be trauma-informed and, and provide trauma-sensitive care. Awesome. I think that is what I love the most about um, trauma-informed care. Like, even though it is based in social work, the principles of it are applicable to any um, realm that works with the community. And as a librarian, my mind every week was just exploding with, oh my God, I need to know this. Oh my God, this applies to kids that I've worked with. Um, so I really want the focus of our time together to focus on how, what it trauma-informed carries and how it can be used in every space for anybody who wants to better understand and best serve the community. So can you briefly just dive into what are the principles of trauma-informed care, and can you share some examples of how they could be implemented in an institution like a library? Yeah, so that's a big question, and I want to just say trauma-informed care is really not housed in social work. It really, it should apply in social work, but from my perspective, and I think related to the, the folks who are developing trauma-informed care at, at all different levels, I think one of the things we've recognized is it belongs in every system. And so when, when you came to my class as a librarian, 
you taught me about some of those important ways in which a library system could be trauma-informed and just starting to have that conversation, which was really wonderful for me as well. So there are six recognized principles that really cut across settings and types or ways of engaging with people. And they really come from a set of assumptions. And so those assumptions are that trauma experiences are common. They're not rare, like we used to think. And that we need to understand what happens when someone experiences trauma, what happens to the brain, the body, and relationships, and then how to help rather than harm. And one of the things I often say to my students is we don't have a lot of middle ground here. We are either helping or harming. There's not a lot of neutral space there. And so I think that's really critical that we think about how we can be part of helping people recover, repair the harm that's been done. And I absolutely think this can apply to libraries and other public institutions. It applies to organizations and systems of care like child welfare and our justice system. So briefly, the six principles that come out of that, the first one's safety. And safety is something that we have to not only pay attention to, but then we really can't move on without having thought about it and implemented safety. So that means the physical setting, it means interpersonal interactions, it means how do people interface with whoever you know, is trying to create that safety. So when I think about libraries, I think about that familiar welcoming environment, which, which it, it just imbues safety and quiet and calm atmosphere and also beauty. So many of our libraries also have art and color and just ways of engaging and creating just beautiful spaces that I think also express, you know, you walk in, you're welcomed, you can experience a sense of, of safety. Um, second one is building trustworthiness and transparency. And again, that's not just at an individual interpersonal level, although that's most often how it plays out even in an institution. So being having policies that are trustworthy, having um, interpersonal interactions that are trustworthy because they're and transparent because they're open, they're supportive, they're engaged, they're um, trying to help, they're trying to support those community members who are using the library. And then all of these are related. So collaboration and mutuality as well is another principle. And that's this idea of partnering. So partnering with individuals and families who use the library, but also partnering with elements of the community. Um, it also means if we're thinking about collaboration and mutuality, we're thinking about less hierarchy and more, more mutuality, more of a flat hierarchy where everybody has a voice, everybody can come to the table. We're very interested in hearing from different diverse parts of the community. Um, and then I really camp out here that collaboration and mutuality also happens interpersonally. So it has to be about what am I showing to you? Warmth, connection, compassion. I'm recognizing you and paying attention to your needs or, or what you're interested in or what you want to learn. And so that gets demonstrated very much interpersonally. It's also decision making. Who are we including? How are we including voices? What are we showcasing? Um, 
so my sense is that maybe every library is a little different in that respect because it's tuned into its community in some ways. Um, and then another one that absolutely builds on these is empowerment, choice, and voice. And the idea there, again, and this is also a social work principle that we build on strengths and that we want to provide choice and possibilities for empowerment, which might be decision-making. Again, it might be at an individual or family level, but it also might be at a community level. How are people feeling some sense of ownership in their library, empowered to make suggestions, to, to develop ideas, to be part of a community process? Um, the next one's peer support. And the idea of that is that trauma survivors need to be supported and have ways to get help and get support for themselves. But again, I think about libraries that provide opportunities for mutual support, hosting community groups, providing education, providing resources, showcasing community arts, which are often about lived experiences. And those might be difficult experiences like immigration or you know, when I think of my community in Chicago, the refugee experience um, or um, what it's like to grow up in poverty or experiences of homelessness, but it also can be just diverse experiences that have, that maybe aren't about trauma or difficulty, but really speak to the vibrancy and the strengths and hope that are part of that community. Um, and then the last one really speaks to this idea that we have to be, if we're going to be trauma-informed and trauma-sensitive, we have to be students of culture and historical realities that have shaped our present experiences. And so we need to pay attention to things like racism. We need to look at how we're embracing diversity. Um, we need to pay attention to, to what we're doing that, you know, the processes that we're putting in place that actually allow people to feel a part of, to feel that they belong and that they matter. Um, and that, that we're engaging in ways that people can heal, not so much because we're doing mental health care, but because we're providing a place that's um, accessible and available and welcoming and supportive and gives people a chance to really, um, to, to, to feel that sense of belonging and connection. So who's included, who's excluded, and hopefully not, um, who's represented, how do we advocate? Um, so those, those areas are really important to pay attention to. And that's sort of a, a sixth area that's been added as a way of really recognizing, for instance, historical trauma around racism, but also just those intergenerational intergenerational experiences that are often live in communities, not just families. Um, so those are the those are the six principles. And from my perspective, they can apply to any institutional organization. And so I'm just so excited that that there's this whole conversation going on about trauma-informed libraries. Yes. So one aspect that when I took your class always had me, especially when we were understanding different communities' trauma, is was the intention behind it. Um, I, you know, you know this, but I used to do programs in a group home, 
And I worked with them for five years. And for that first year, I felt like it was a learning curve. Like I started doing the programs, but I didn't have any background knowledge about what um, these young mothers could have faced in their life. So I just started, I came in there thinking, oh, they're going to love my book club and quickly learn <laughs> that I needed to spend some more time learning my community before I began that work. And um, because it's not about me. It's not about what I think that they might want. It's about what they actually need. And I can only learn that from better understanding that community. So I love the intention to care, the care that's provided mm -hmm. that goes into trauma-informed care. So how do you think that social work and social work and library collaborations can be helpful when developing and sustaining solid relationships with the community? I think it goes some, some into that intention behind it, the intention to care, but what other ways do you think um, it can be helpful? Mm -hmm. What you just spoke to, Sarah, I think is so important that when you're thinking about a process around, around library, what, you know, what libraries do, um, really, I think where social workers and libraries can really collaborate is around getting to know the lived experience of the community or the part of the community that you're focusing on. So you were looking at um, young moms, was that? Adolescent, yeah. Adolescent moms. Okay, so really diving into what do we know about the experiences of um, young adolescent moms and sort of developmentally what's going on. And so, you know, they're they're missing a part of their adolescence because of, you know, their experiences of being moms quite early. And so what does that mean in terms of content that we might want to deliver or a process that make, may, might make the most sense? Um, and I think, again, social work really thinks about levels of care. And so we think about what does this individual need? We think about what does this family need? We think about what does this community need or this part of the community? So I think it. I think where social work and library can really work together is around social work does that deep dive into really understanding those experiences and bringing theory to bear and bringing intervention practices to bear. And then libraries taking that forward and thinking about that community level um, focus and like, what can we highlight? What can we address? How can we be a part of the process that folks need in, in order to either recover or just be able to thrive? I mean, I think again, with libraries being very safe spaces, we're, we're really looking at lots of creative ways that libraries can collaborate with communities to, to take that forward, to take forward, um, those safe experiences, those experiences of being able to, to learn, to grow, to develop, and also to heal trauma. Beautiful. So I'm just curious, because you've done so many amazing things in your career, you're still doing them. What is something you learned about the community from your work? Well, I think it, this I would say is true from my work in Chicago and, and living in East Africa and also you know, just working with lots of communities here, that there's a there's a sense in which we experience life, certainly as individuals and in family contexts, but we're also all part of communities, whether it's a neighborhood level or larger, like a, a city. And we have experiences that are shaped by those communities and shape those communities. And so it's not enough to pay attention, I think, just to sort of the individual 
level experience or, or the family, but to really think about how can communities thrive? How, what, what kind of, you know, what kind of um, work do we need to do around um, getting something in place that would really make a community more vibrant, more responsive to the community's needs? And so much of the work really, I think, needs to happen at the community level, whether it's addressing homelessness, which libraries are kind of at the center of that in some ways as a, again, a safe space for folks who are homeless during the day or need to get out of the heat or whatever it is, and then get a lot of services and supports in libraries. I think libraries have done an amazing job with that. But also when I think about trauma, and actually our homeless population has experienced a lot of trauma, but at a different level, what about a, like a school shooting or a community shooting or a natural disaster? How can the library then be a part of that community level response, which again is so important. It's it's not enough just to have sort of attention to individuals and families. We need to have collective efforts and the and communities around trauma need to heal collectively, need to have a sense of we're pulling together, we're drawing on our resources. And I think libraries can be so critically important to that because they're already there, present, tuned in have the resources, you know, can really be a dynamic part of helping communities heal. I'm sure there's much more than that, but um, I, I just think that community level response is hugely important. And then also is very strengths focused because it pulls on what are those resources already there and how do we pull people together? And, and libraries often do that as well, right? Libraries are often pulling different stakeholders and different elements of the community together to say, let's have a conversation about this. Let's take this forward. What can we do to change this? How can we be responsive to this? So I just see libraries as very much centered in this community level um, process around trauma, since that's what we're talking about. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, it's sort of the light bulb has gone on for me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so, I think that's perfect and I 100% agree, agree. So I talk a lot and say that I come from a place of privilege because I've taken a lot of social work classes. So now I have all these ideas of what I need to do to um, be a better librarian when it comes to developing relationships. But for someone who is listening, who has not taken any social work classes, this might be their first taste of understanding what a social work and library collaboration can look like and what trauma-informed care actually is. So what first steps would you recommend for libraries or other um, library practitioners hoping to implement social work collaborations in their policies and services, or just people who just want to learn more? What's the first step that you would recommend for them? Well, I think the first step would be actually to, to learn about trauma. And I know you've taken that you know, you've, you've, you've gone um, on that journey. And it doesn't have to be a social worker's perspective on trauma or mental health. It can, I mean, there's so much good content available on trauma that really addresses how does the brain respond, the body respond, how do people respond in relationships? And what does that process of recovery look like? And what do people need? And, and again, families and communities so I would say the first thing is to really learn about trauma, because once you learn about it, then you can begin to apply it. So when I describe those principles, if you 
if you're then thinking, okay, what can we do to create safety? How can we collaborate? What does mutuality look like? Then you've got those principles to work from. And then I think the kind of the other piece of that that often social workers can bring in um, is really mapping the community, mapping its needs and working with various other, maybe nonprofits, government, um, to just map what, what is going on in our community? What is needed? What are people struggling with? What are they dealing with um, around trauma? And again, experiences that might be a natural disaster, like we've had, uh, you know, we had the, the flooding in 2000, was it 2015? Mm-hmm. We've had other natural disasters, um, but many of our communities have had experiences. At, we've had shootings, you know, just there's community violence, there's different traumatic experiences that I think really need to be addressed. So mapping that the community's needs and um, that I think means really getting potential stakeholders and collaborators into the same room at the table with libraries because um, that's where conversations I think can happen. And then setting up processes for addressing issues. I think when we think about being trauma-informed or trauma-sensitive, it means really at all levels, what are our policies? In what ways do they create safety for people or make people feel unsafe or in trouble or you know, um, stepping out of line or, or, oh, I don't wanna come because the library is gonna respond in that way. So how do, we, how do we create policy that really is welcoming and supportive? How do we train our staff to interpersonally make sure that they are warm and connected and just as focused on the person in front of them as they are on like the content or the resource for someone. Um, So really making sure that we're developing the trauma sensitive responses, policy, interpersonal, and then programming, right? Um, And then one of the things I love that libraries have already done is making sure content is diverse and representative. And I, I just, the libraries I've been involved with in the Chicago area and here um, just have done an amazing job around, for instance, diversity issues and really making sure that kids and adults are seeing diverse content and, and able to access something that looks like me, you know, which can be a, a huge part of healing for somebody who's experienced historical trauma or really any other kind of trauma. Um, And then developing practices that help people within libraries take care of themselves. I would imagine, I don't know the library context as well, but I imagine there are stresses and sort of cutting edge challenges for libraries, especially in in communities where clearly there are a lot of challenges and how do we address them? I mean, I, I think the homeless population is one, but I think there are plenty of those. And um, so to me, those are, are some of the important um, elements of this process. Um, but I would say starting with just making sure you're mapping the community and making sense of what's going on in the community that you're serving, as well as understanding what trauma is. As I understand it, you know, American libraries are just um, an American treasure. We have put a lot of funding and energy into libraries for a significant amount of time. They are institutions in so many of our communities. I I started out life in rural Vermont, and the the neighbor, my village, was about 
150 people and the neighboring village is not a whole lot more than that. And they have this kick-ass library. It's amazing. And it's so connected to the community and what's going on in the community. So I just, I think, I just think there's huge potential for libraries as they understand trauma and how common it is in the lived experience in the, of many families in their communities and often at a community level, that there's so much libraries could do to pull people together and say, how could we address this? So I'm very excited about the potential for collaboration. I'm really excited. Libraries have this um, goal of being a community center, a place where people can come and thrive. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think bringing in the community partners and implementing um, social work practices and imp implementing social work services within the library is how we'll actually be able to help community thrive, our community thrive. Mm -hmm. When I was in your class, I learned so much about myself. I was learning how my own trauma affected the work that I did. That was powerful to me. Like when I started checking myself in class and I'm mm -hmm. listening to my classmates' presentations and I'm like, I experienced that. That's maybe why I look at life through this way. That affects how my interaction with someone when they come into a space, you don't even realize how all of it plays as the practitioner and mm -hmm. as the potential customer. So I'm so excited about, I have a lot of ideas of what I think the future of <laughs> and library collaboration is going to look like so I'm excited to see what's to come but my final question is based on something that you have coming that I'm so excited about mm -hmm. so can you tell us about this amazing graduate certificate that you're developing because oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> well first of all just based on what you already said I think we should interview you about your <laughs> ideas um so yeah the the trauma-informed um, certificate practice certificate is um, in the final processes of approval and it's really intended to provide cutting-edge specialized knowledge of trauma and then trauma-informed practices. Um, so there's going to be a lot of different areas of study including really our neuroscientific evidence around trauma, its effect on brain-body relationships and communities, historical trauma, um, it's going to be an important part of it. And then consensus principles that we've talked about today and a whole range of practices around engaging and assessing and intervening at different levels, as we've discussed, and also thinking about policy and, and practice issues, different practice contexts. And a central focus is going to be social justice. So how do we develop processes and programs and interventions which really center social justice. Um, and so the other piece that's so exciting for me about this certificate is that it is going to be interdisciplinary, as I said. Well, I don't think I said. It's going to be interdisciplinary, which means that at the graduate level, we are working with different graduate programs, including yours. Um, and so information and library science we're working with psychology, sociology, law, public health. Um, oh gosh, who am I missing? Education. Um, I, and it's, I'm just so excited about that because each of those disciplines obviously brings their own expertise to this. And so we can, we can offer a wide variety of uh, electives around the core courses. And the core courses are looking at 
children and families, they're looking at adults and experiences of trauma. And then we're looking at collective trauma, which is where I've done a lot of reading around libraries and how critical they are to helping communities heal from experiences of collective trauma. So I'm really excited about it and so excited that it's an interdisciplinary certificate so that we can draw from all these different areas. And what I'm hoping, honestly, is that we can develop in South Carolina and maybe beyond just a community of practice so that we're energizing each other around ideas and challenging each other around what could we do, really cutting across systems um, and not owning this. This is not proprietary information that belongs in one you know, graduate program or in one um, discipline, it really should be cutting across. And, and from my perspective, foundational to the work that we need to be doing with people. So we sort of all need to be thinking about this together. So yeah, I'm very excited about it. I am so excited. Um, as soon as the certificate information goes live, so as soon as it makes it through the process, I'll be sure to um, update the podcast show notes so people can get the link so they can access and learn more about it. And then I also will personally share it out as much as I can on all the lists that I promote, everything else that I'm working on. So I really right. want this to be successful. And I think everybody should take it. And I always say, like, after I'm done with school, I'm going to be done with school. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, maybe just one more thing. <laughs> well, your energy is infectious. So I'm really excited about where you're headed to, Sierra. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Professor Penny, for sharing your insight with us. If no one has told you they appreciate the work that you do and the intention behind the work that you do and just your energy and your spirit, I really appreciate you. Oh, you transformed you. my research. You transformed my way of thinking as a librarian. I think you just, I'm not going to get emotional, but you truly positive, you impacted me in a way that I will forever be grateful for and the work that I'm doing in the community. So I really, really appreciate you. Mm, thank you so much. It's well, such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you.